Well, good morning, beloved sinners. Good morning, beloved saints. Our text this morning comes from the book of Hebrews, thought to be written some 35 years or so after the death of Jesus, written by a anonymous person. Some may think that it was written by Apollos, for example, who hung around and worked with Paul, but we just don't know for sure who wrote it. Um, and they just simply call the person who wrote this book the preacher. The preacher. It's written in a very Jewish style of writing called Midrash, where you take a piece of Scripture and you blow it up and really dig into what it means. It's a lot of wisdom in this book. It's a thick book. Its major themes are that the followers of Christ are having a difficult time. They have gone through the wilderness like the Hebrews. But unlike the Hebrews, Christ has taken upon Himself the atoning sacrifice to go behind the curtain into the Holy of Holies with God and make humanity one with the Lord again. It is thought that the original church that this was written to, and we don't know where that church was located, was a church that was having a difficult time. Its members were tired. And this is a word of hope. So today's verses were written by an early church preacher to remind the people, you, me, of the new life we have been given through Christ. And as such, we should not lose heart, even in the swirliness of the world. Hear the word of the Lord coming from Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19 through 25. The preacher is speaking. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the sanctuary by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that He opened for us through the curtain that is through His flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us approach with a true heart and full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience, and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering, for He who has promised is faithful. And let us consider how to provoke, how to irritate one another to love and good deeds, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the great day approaching. My friends, this is the word of the Lord. Friends, this preacher is using these words from Scripture as a pep talk for the people in the pew. Homiletics professor at Candler School of Theology, Dr. Tom Long, 
He says, the preacher is actually addressing a very common and familiar pastoral problem. Congregational decline. His congregation is basically tired and discouraged and tired of trying to live the Christian life in a culture that offers no support for it and is discouraged by the evil that seems to persist in the world. As a result, Long says, the congregation has begun to question the value of being a follower of Jesus. Attendance at worship has begun to falter. Zeal for mission has waned. And the kind of congregational life that is rich with love and compassion has begun to dissipate. Close quote. Can you relate? I've been online with Nick and Pam with pastors from all over the last 20 months. This is a very appropriate text that we can relate with as preachers. Churches across the United States were already in a state of decline and then the pandemic hit. Now pastors and church leaders are wondering, will folks come back home? The preacher's words, my friends, are an encouragement to you and to me, to the church of the 21st century, and words of encouragement that we need to hear. And what are these words the preacher is trying to convey to us? Well, first, the church needs to hear hope. He wants us to hear the hope that in Jesus, Jesus has already won the battle, and as Christians, we are to live into that victory. We are to have hope because Jesus has won the battle and we are to live into that victory. Verse 19 reminds us that we have access now because of Christ to God in the very center of the Holy of Holies. The separation that kept people from God the symbolic curtain keeping the people away from the Holy of Holies has been torn. And our Scripture today says it has been ripped in two through Jesus. When the preacher says in verse 23, let us hold fast to the confession of hope without wavering, what he is saying is Jesus has won the battle. We're just called to live into that victory. No matter the swirliness of what is happening outside the church's doors, Jesus is in control. He's got it. Hang tight. Hang tough. Then the preacher goes on to tell the church some other words. He says something else. He says in verse 24, he tells the church, and I love this word, to provoke one another. To, and it literally means to irritate one another. To incite one another. Not just to get people's goat and to get under their skin and be obnoxious, but the word is used to compel us to do good works through love. 
That's the issue. We are to provoke good love through good work. It's a call to be a Christian provocateur. I'm looking at a whole sanctuary full of them. A provocateur uh, comes from the Latin word provocare, which means to call forth, to summon out. It means to incite into action. In the New Testament language, it means to irritate, literally. This is a call for those of us here to irritate each other. (laughs) It happens a lot, doesn't it? It's a call to incite us to action for the purpose the purpose of expressing ministries of compassion and service and love through mission. Remember that, the, that old game I had it growing up as a kid? It was a metal, metal sheet, and on it you had football players over here and football players over here, and you click the electricity, and the magnets would come together, and they would just rub each other. That's what the word is talking about that's what the preacher is saying we in the church are to vibrate irritate incite provoke one another to do ministry of service and compassion with love now that's kind of some holy provocation that i can sign on to and that's what the preacher is asking us to do You see, the antidote for despair is for members of the church to incite one another to get about the work of the church through ministry of service and compassion. This is what he was trying to tell his little church that was struggling, having a hard time, who was tired. Work with each other. Get about doing what you're supposed to be doing. And that action, that irritation, that movement will dislodge you from a hopeless, despairing mindset to an active, missional mindset. It'll dislodge you from the stuckness of pandemic back into the vibrancy of active ministry. You know, what do you think we've been trying to do as your church leaders for the last six months with the just say yes? You think it's just because it's a cute little thing to say? No. We take this seriously. We want to irritate you. We want you to just say yes and get back engaged to the work of ministry. We're trying to provoke you in the name of Jesus. So remember that we are to have hope in Christ. We are to provoke one another to demonstrate love and service and mission. And thirdly, the preacher says in verse 25, he reminds the church to not neglect Meeting together, as is the habit of some. 
Don't neglect meeting together. One of the biggest challenges that has been birthed over the last 20 months is our culture's tendency to isolate and do it my way. Frankly, in a world pandemic, we've had to do that in order to stay healthy. And we've had to figure out how to live life from home, to work from home. We have become adept with technology that has kept us in digital touch with each other. And I'm grateful for that. That's the way I get to hang out with my new granddaughter. But the shadow side to the self-sufficient isolation is that in the long run, if we stay stuck in it, it can lead to apathy at best, laziness at worst. I get it. I get it. There is nothing like making some, some eggs over easy, a little bacon, cook that toast, little, not too overdone, but crispy, get some raspberry jam on there, get a cup of coffee, sit down on the couch, curl up, snuggle, and hit play and watch church. I get it. It served its function. It was helpful. It still is helpful. Half the people that you don't see in this room are watching from home, and we're grateful for that. But you can't swing a hammer on a habitat house from your den. You can't prepare 1,000 turkey dinners like we have to do this next Saturday morning to be put together and delivered next Saturday from your living room. You can't feel the raw power and emotion of this choir unless you're here and feel it. Sisters and brothers, some have to watch from home. But a community of faith, if you're able, a community of faith is to be together. Remote worship is a wonderful tool when you can't be there in person. Remote worship is a way to augment one's spiritual life. It's not going away. But Christians, my friends, are made for each other. We're made for community. Jesus and His fellow Jews traveled over 60 miles from Galilee to Jerusalem several times a year for the major worship festivals. And yet, there are some people who can't travel three miles to their local house of worship on a Sunday, today. Friends, the preacher, not this preacher, well, maybe this preacher, but this preacher, is calling us to be together, to meet together in fellowship, to worship together, to serve together. And lastly, the preacher tells his tired community of faith in verse 25, 
to be encouraging with each other until Christ comes again in glory. The word encourage literally means to strengthen or to give courage. As a community, as church, we are called to strengthen each other with words of hope, words of grace, and words of encouragement. As a community, we are to come alongside the broken ones in our midst and give them strength they don't have themselves. This is why the church is called the body of Christ. It takes all of us to usher in the ways of God. When one member in the church gets tired, discouraged, beat down, another member comes alongside and keeps the other person motivated encouraged and strengthened and moving. And when that encourager gets worn down and tired, then the receiver of their care in turn provides care back to them. You see, when this happens, a flywheel effect of grace occurs. And it begins to create energy that doesn't stop. It perpetuates itself. Beloved, the preacher's words from Hebrews are apt for the church this day. The lectionary text picked me today. And it tells us, encourages us to hold on to the promise of hope in Jesus, the great high priest, and the hope that he offers. That what we see out in the world is not all there is. We are to provoke one another. Incite each other to accomplish loving ministries of compassion and service. We are, to about, we are to be about meeting with each other in ways that are safe and helpful that build the body up. And we're actively to give strength to each other. The world does a lot to tear us down. Let us be about building the other up. This, my beloved, this is what the preacher says that church is all about. Let it be. Pray with me. Gracious God, lover of our soul, we thank you for this community. As broken and loyal and dedicated as we are. Lord, through your Holy Spirit, enliven us that we may support each other in times of need, celebrate in times of joy, and dream together in dreams of ministry. For we ask this in Jesus' precious name. And all of God's people said together, Amen. Amen. Friends, let us stand and sing our closing hymn, number 399.